Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Digging In, Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast. I am your special guest host this week, Garrett Hawkins, and we are joining you from Washington, D.C. So what a privilege it is to, to be out here with my fellow State Farm Bureau president colleagues as we do the work of our organization, but have the chance to spend a little time on the Hill with members of our congressional delegation. And I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be joined by Missouri's senior senator, Mr. Josh Hawley. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Senior senator, but I just I just want to point out, Eric Schmidt is not in the room, but I never miss a chance to say this. I might be the senior senator, but he's older than I am. So I just like that noted for the record. <laughs> Duly noted. I don't know how often we note things for the record on digging in, but we'll we'll do that on this. There we go. Good. Good. That's edition. it. That's it. And that's all I had to say. So it's great joining y'all. Have a great time. You know. Good luck. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hopefully, somebody will relay this to Schmidt. <laughs> well, I haven't had the chance to spend a lot of time with you since uh, last spring when Aaron joined me on a panel at Missouri State. That's right. I got to tell you, Senator, wow. Yeah. She knocked it out of the park. She's the brains of the operation. Well, yeah. I wasn't going to say that. You, you teed <laughs> well, that up. Well, you teed that as up. As everybody well. listening to this podcast knows, listen, if you've if you heard my wife talk, then you really know, yeah, where, where the decisions uh where the strategery is is done in the family. So it's it's with her. Well, it was fantastic. She interacted with our collegiate Farm Bureau officers in advance of the event. And then we had a discussion about, you know, all things Supreme Court. Then we didn't have a ruling on the Sackett case, et cetera. So had the chance to pick her brain a little bit on the Clean Water Act, which she's had years of experience on. Yeah. Uh, Legal as well as from a professor standpoint, but but maybe that's where we start the conversation because yeah. there were several. I mean, this was yet another monumental, very pivotal term of the Supreme Court, and we saw an important ruling on the Sackett case. So maybe let's start there, Senator. What were your takeaways from Sackett versus EPA? Well, I think it's a it's a huge decision. Obviously, it it, it drives a stake through uh, the waters of the United States rule <laughs> at at least for now. I mean, it reminds me the the late Justice Scalia used to have this saying about a different. Supreme Court doctrine altogether, but he used to say it is time to drive a wooden stake through its heart so that unlike a vampire, it won't rise every year to terrorize our children. You know, so that is definitely true of WOTUS. We need to drive a stake through that thing's heart once and for all. So the Supreme Court dealt the Biden administration's version of this rule, major setbacks that they can't do it. They don't have the jurisdiction. All of that is right. What we've got to do now is keep a close eye on the EPA, they will, in my view, undoubtedly try to come back, finesse the rule, rewrite it, and then try to put some new version of it out. So we will be ready to, to fight this again when it comes. Hopefully between now and then, uh, we'll have the chance to let the voters weigh in. We'll be able to elect a new Congress, and I hope a new president, and, and that would solve this problem. But uh, we'll keep fighting as long as it takes. I mean, this was one of, if not the first lawsuit I filed as Missouri Attorney General back in 2017 was yeah. against the waters of the United States rule. Yes. And I thought we had it killed then. But listen, we'll, t we'll take this, and uh, we'll keep on fighting until it's dead forever. You know, I have not met the Sackett family, but I hope I have the chance to someday yeah. just to tell them thank you for what they've done for really the last 15, 16 years in literally they have been the voice, the face of farmers and landowners across the country who have for so many years have decried the government's use of the Clean Water Act to to infringe on our private property rights. Yes. And they really have done all of us a service in, in standing up um, and pushing back in such a big way. I read the ruling on a plane 
And I have to admit, my seatmate wondered why I was wiping my eyes because when you read, when you read the opinion, and for the first time in many years, you feel like the court, the justices have heard. You know, so many times you weave in there the private property rights theme and the overreach of government, and it really hit home that the message has fallen on ears. Yes, people finally. have listened. Yes, yes, finally. Well, and it, you know, it also drives home a related point that judges really matter. It matters who you have on that court, and that's this was a, a decision that that garnered a big majority, which is great, but. Uh, it, it just underscores why who we put on all of these courts for lifetime appointments. You know, I mean, it, sometimes when we're when we're voting on them, and you hear about oh, now the Senate's voting another appointment to this or that. Why does it matter? Well, because for better or for worse, these people have authority to decide these issues that really matter for how we use our land, how we farm, how we ranch. And uh, this was a this was a huge victory, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. I think that dovetails Prop 12. We didn't quite uh, come out where we had hoped to on that case. That's another piece that you've been involved in from your time yeah. as Attorney General and standing up for Missouri farmers and ranchers. So we're still trying to evaluate the path forward, but clearly it, it seems like the justices have said the ball's in Congress's court, right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I think that's a decision that is wrong. I mean, I disagree with that. I disagreed with it uh, when and we had a similar outcome when we were trying to stand up uh, for uh, for chicken farmers, egg producers in the state of Missouri. That's when I was attorney general. That was that was that version of it. Now, obviously, it's it's spread to to pork, and this is just going to continue. I mean, this is the problem: is that if California and other states like this continue to get a green light to impose their regulations nationwide, they are of course going to do it. And so we're going to. I mean, it, here and as as every listener to this to this uh, show knows. We're not represented at the California legislature. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't get a vote for the California governor. I, didn't, I most surely did not. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get a vote for the California Senate or the House. So we're not represented there, and uh, yet they're making rules for us. And I just I, – it baffles me as to why we have a commerce clause in our Constitution, you know, another one of those arcane-sounding legal things. But guess what? That commerce clause says only one institution can regulate commerce for the whole country, and that's Congress, no other state legislature. So I think it is a fundamental miscarriage of justice, abuse of federalism, to have California telling Missouri how we can farm and ranch on any subject, or how we can use our water, or how we can use our air. They just don't have the authority. So um, this it is it is on Congress. I mean, the, the one entity that can do something about it is Congress, and we should. I mean, we should act now to override Prop 12, and to make it clear that uh, we're going to preempt any and all of this of this state legislation, and that the states don't get to legislate for the whole nation, that Missouri gets to legislate for Missouri. I think that's a pretty good rule. I'm willing to stand by that one. You know, I think our people, I think that makes a lot of yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it's difficult to make sense out of <laughs> Well, our founders thought it made a lot of sense. You know, I mean, it goes back to, right? I mean, I, I remember something having to do with our revolution about no taxation without representation, you know, and, yes. and that's this principle. I mean, yes. no regulation, which is always a form of taxation, by the way, as every farmer knows, right? Don't tell me that a regulation isn't, doesn't tax you. Of course it does. You have to spend money to comply with it. So California is taxing us and we're not represented. And that's a big, big problem. So I'm certainly going to do everything I can here in the legislature. And, um, you know, we're going to have to We'll need an all-hands-on-deck hand, effort here, but then also more from the state attorneys general as we continue fighting this because I just this is going to multiply. We're, we're on the yeah. front end of this.
this yet, and we've we've got to now we've got to get some kind of a across the board solution. I do think it's going to have to be federal legislation, probably. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, energy, air. You're now on energy and natural resources. Um, truly, you're kind of at the epicenter, really, of what our members are sounding the alarms about is a skewing of energy policy to to the benefit of one set of energy um, forms of energy to the demise of really an all Amer- all of the above approach to yeah. energy. You know, we talk a lot back home about Missouri being in in the cross section of the country, and by that nature, we are in the crosshairs of so many of these energy policies that have truly skewed us in, in one direction. So I'm really curious, kind of update our members what's happening within the committee. Are you actually having meaty conversations about what it means to be energy independent as a country and what's happening with the grid and all of these things? No, we're, we're not having those conversations <laughs> okay. because the committee's controlled by Democrats. Uh, but but some of us are, are making a nuisance of ourselves on the committee, and that would be me. I, I'm the newest member of the committee. I wanted to join the energy committee because it is so vital to where we are right now as a state for the ag community and where we are as a country. You know, I, I think that, listen, I mean, our, this energy policy, this administration's energy policy is maybe the worst thing that they have done economically. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of candidates for that designation, but it's it's got to be up there, right? And as near as I can tell, their whole policy, Biden's whole policy on energy and just economics generally is to make China rich and America poor. And that starts with what they're doing to farmers. That starts with what they're doing to ranchers. And it continues right on to the fact that now they want us to not produce energy in our country, but they want us to buy solar panels from China and electric batteries from China and uh, raw earth or rare earth minerals and other raw materials from China. We have all these things in the United States, and we can't, we're not supposed to produce any of them. I, I just I don't understand it. And then they seem perplexed that the cost of producing things uh, like – uh, growing crops in this country is increasing and that farmers' uh, profits are falling and they can't figure out why. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it's more expensive to do everything because you're making us dependent on this foreign adversary. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm it's too simple, but that's how I see it. It's real easy. And what I say over and over is we shouldn't make China rich and America poor. It should be the opposite. I mean, hopefully we can all agree that we want American producers, American farmers, American industry to prosper and thrive. And to do that, we have got to get the cost of energy down. We've got to produce stuff in our in this country. Uh, we, we've got to uh, open up full throttle on ag producers, on other energy producers. And, you know, let's get the cost input costs down so that farmers for, can farm, ranchers can ranch, and that people can afford to buy gas and bread in this country again. I mean, it's pretty simple, I think. Well, if I had a soundboard and an applause button, I would have hit it by now. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll be interested. We're working on a project internally that, you know, I, I keep telling our members we're going to work hard to untangle this green web to help That's folks good. and expose and understand how all these things are, are connected. And, and truly, as we look at, you know, Missouri uh, as being the, the crossover state now for so many of these high voltage projects mm-hmm. and 
Senator, you read the concerns about the grid and shoring up the grid. And in reality, some of these policies are, in fact, destabilizing totally. the grid. And and we recently had the chance to sit down with the Iowa Farm Bureau Board and, and compare notes with them about what's happening with carbon capture and sequestration and where carbon is being looked to pipe out of Iowa into North Dakota and Illinois and places. And so... It truly is on the minds of farmers and ranchers, because I remember the day, Senator, when we looked forward to any farmer or rancher, when you want to be involved in in energy production, renewable energy production, that you have that opportunity. But now we just see the skewing of policies to, to one area. And now what I hear from our members is I'm increasingly concerned about. Am I going to be able to afford my electric bill? Is it going to continue to be reliable? And what happens on the farm when I've got to have those fans going in my livestock barns and all these things? So we never really used to talk about concern about rolling blackouts yeah. so much, at least here in the Midwest, right? Because yeah. we had reliable baseload generation. So we support all of the above, but it seems like that conversation is difficult to have right now. Oh, this administration, they, they want to demonize the use of any kind of fossil fuel. And listen, I, I'll just, I, I, I'm not shy about saying this. We, we have abundant fossil fuels in this country. Abundant, abundant, abundant. And we ought to be using them. I mean, I just don't know why we'd be mealy-mouthed about it. You know, that, that is the most reliable, the cheapest form of energy. We just had some great testimony in the Energy Committee uh, from uh, uh, some folks who run some of the electric co-ops in southwest Missouri. And they came and testified. And, you know, it was great because they just laid out for the committee your point about about uh, being able to count on the, the grid, about it uh, being stable and dependable. And they said, listen, if you're telling us that we can't use these sources that are most readily available and we've got to go to stuff like wind and solar and so on, what that's going to mean is it's much more intermittent. Our ability to trap it, supply, and keep it is, is very, very limited because of the battery issues. And so it, it just means it's going to cost a heck of a lot more. It's going to be much less reliable. And we're going to have to – it'll be a fact of life that we now deal with blackouts and, and intermittent outages and high cost. And I just think this is absurd. Why would we – it's entirely a choice. I mean, this is the thing I can't get the Biden people to see. They are making this choice to force this on the whole rest of the country. And it's an insane choice. There's no reason to do this. So we just – we have to, have to get this reversed. Uh, you talk about self-imposed costs and, frankly, self-imposed decline, and I just don't think they understand the effect on rural America. You know, I mean, they love it for the cities, and they—I um, it's bad in the cities too. Don't get me wrong, but their sort of their voting coalition in the urban areas and on the coasts, and you know, they just think that this is wonderful. They don't understand, as you pointed out, what it means for rural farmers, what it means for uh, folks who are depending. Uh, for their livelihood on the availability of regular energy, it's not just a it's not a, it's not a, a nice feature, you know. It's it's their livelihood, and I just don't yes. think they get it. Well, I mean, energy policy truly impacts food security, right? Exactly. Our ability to do. You've done a fantastic job of highlighting um, just supply chains in, in recent years and what it means to American agriculture when we look at affordable and reliable supplies uh, of all of the inputs that we need. You know that factors into. You know this is a farm bill year, Senator. Yes, it <laughs> so, is. Yes, it is. You know, talks are underway. Appreciate the work that you're doing and highlighting priorities um, when it comes to 
risk management and traditional farm programs, as well as what we dub as common sense conservation. You know, we're writing a farm bill at a critical time that we're in yet another drought. I mean, you know, yeah, you see time. it everywhere when you're home. Yeah. So just what would you like to share with our members as, you know, as, as you try to position this state, Missouri, and along with the delegation to best position us to make sure that that we have a farm bill that works for just the diversity of agriculture that we have in the state. Well, I think that you mentioned the traditional farm programs. My view is, is that we need to reauthorize those. There's no need to tinker with those other than to make sure we increase the reference prices accordingly. Um, to reflect market conditions, that needs to be done for for corn, for soy, for rice, for cotton in our state. But listen, let, let's not let, let's do what we need to do and preserve what's working. Bring it up to date, but preserve what's working. But then I think the next line of of defense in the farm bill is we got to make sure that the green garbage. See, I'm not as nice as you are. Green web <laughs> sounds so nice, and then then you got me. Green garbage. <laughs> Green garbage. <laughs> but we got to make sure that green garbage stays out. I do not want to see a whole bunch of new mandates on our producers in our state or any state that, you know, you, you've got to do this in order to get this. Where we start having programs, I mean, the nightmare is to have some of these traditional support programs that provide just that 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 safety net so, so farmers and ranchers can produce with some confidence. I don't ever want to see some linkage between those and the ridiculous climate agenda, which is all about tying up the hands of farmers and ranchers. So we've got to keep that stuff out of the farm bill. We've got to make sure that we that we give farmers and ranchers the confidence to be able to produce. And you know, if we can do that, then we'll be in really good shape. So my view is is let's not overcomplicate this. Let's let's bring up to date what's working. Let's preserve what's working. Let's clean out and clear out the stuff uh, that's garbage. And uh, let's let the best farmers in the world farm. Well, I hope your message of not to overcomplicate things is heard. That isn't always the case. (laughs) It's not the norm in Washington, I found. (laughs) But uh, certainly, you know, again, uh, I think Missouri has long been such a a – an example of what common sense conservation looks like. Yep. I mean, when you have the one-tenth cent sales tax that we put in place as a state in the 1980s to do more uh, with our state parks as well as enhance soil and water conservation, we know how to do it. We just yep. don't need the ties, the shackles uh, to hold us back. And so appreciate the com- the conversations that we're having with your team about common sense conservation and on-farm resilience and getting the common sense idea is that we hear from the grassroots funneled through you and other members of the delegation so that we can influence this farm bill in a way that helps us to do even more with these precious resources you know our folks know how to do it we just so many times need the government to get out of the way well and you just mentioned precious resources and and you know that's so important and there's nobody who knows better how precious those resources are than farmers because their whole livelihood, and not just their whole livelihood, but their whole life and way of life revolves around the land and those resources. And I just think this is something that I try to get people up here to understand. And so few people in D.C. and these bureaucrats have any contact with the land anymore. They never have. They don't come from farming families. They can't. They, many of them never been to a farm. They don't know. And so they just, I don't think they understand that for farmers, farmers don't need to be lecture to and educated about how to conserve the land or how important the land is. They know. They live it. It's their life. 
So my view is stop treating the farmers like they are the great destroyers of the climate. Nothing could be further from the truth. Let the farmers do what they do best. Let them farm. Let them preserve that land. Let them use that precious resource and tell the government with all of their social climate agenda garbage to get out of the way. And that's really, I think, what we need. And the other thing the government can be doing is opening up new markets for our commodities overseas. You yep. know, this administration is so fixated, and this is maybe a subject for another time, but so fixated on China. Listen, there is a China is is a is a terrible trade cheater, a terrible actor. They screw us every time. See, I'm being very blunt today. Oh, this is going to hey. get like a PG rating. My wife is not going to be happy with I me. I mean, it is called digging in for a reason. Well, You're digging in. This is going to come on the warning label. But my view is this, is that this administration is doing, I think, nothing to open up other overseas markets. We're going to need we're going to need a lot more markets than what we've got right now. We need more, and and we need them on on a fair and even playing field. Where we're not going to get cheated. Where they're going to say, well, no, we're keeping out all. Of, we want you to import all of our products. All of our commodities, but we're going to keep out all of yours, Missouri farmers, because you know X, Y, Z. We we need open, free trade for fair trade for our farmers all over the world. And I just think this administration—they're not doing any of that, and uh, they're just—they're just asleep at the switch. Well, and we've got to make sure that the EU's climate policies aren't exactly. used right as market barriers for exactly. us. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's the paradigm case of nations that we supposedly have and do have trade agreements with that are supposedly free trade agreements where it's only it seems to be very one-sided you know when we go to sell then they say oh oh no 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 you know no not a no we have this problem we have that problem we're going to impose these duties not and i'm saying no 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 we need a level playing field here all over the world in in more markets than we've got now well Man, we've covered a lot of ground in like 20 minutes. <laughs> there so, we go. Yeah, there we go. I can always count on when you're on digging in, you're going to be, you're, you're going to dig in. Um, <laughs> or at least talk a lot. I'm not no, sure. but certainly there's just a lot going on. There's a lot on the minds of our members. Drought first and foremost. And just thanks for the work that you and your team and others in the delegation are doing to highlight uh, resources that are needed and trying to waive and get some flexibilities. So you've been a part of helping draw attention to conservation reserve program acres, yep. how those acres should be opened up in a timely fashion for haying and grazing. And just thank you for continuing to be responsive, not just on the issues that are staring us in the face, but we can also count on you to look big picture. You're paying attention to what's happening with energy policy gone awry and everything. So, so thank you. Keep fighting. Keep bringing up these issues because certainly what we've talked about today are the things that are on the minds of farmers, ranchers, landowners all over the state. Well, I just want to say again, it, it is such a privilege to be able to represent Missouri farmers and ranchers in the United States Senate. And um, I always I've told this story a thousand times, and I know that to your listeners, if they've been to any of the Farm Bureau meetings, they've, they've heard me tell it. But I just I love it so much, I'm going to tell it again. <laughs> and this is when I was, right after I got elected to the Senate, and I was home with uh, my wife and at, uh, her family, who are ranchers, as some of your listeners will remember. And uh, one of her uncles, we were, it was Thanksgiving. And so we were having Thanksgiving dinner, and he was sitting there, and, and he said to me, uh, he said, now, Josh, when you go to you go up there to do your job in D.C., he said, you're going you're gonna to speak up bold for ranchers and farmers, aren't you? 
I said, well, yeah, absolutely I am. He said, good, because if you don't, just don't come home. So <laughs> I've taken that to heart. It's really I'm that simple, that. right? My, that's my job. That's my <laughs> job. And I'm, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to do it. Well, thank you. Thank you for the work. Thank you. Please give our um, express our gratitude to your team as well. Uh, here it. in D.C. as well as back home throughout the state that are working hard to to make sure that they are your eyes and ears on the ground. I'll do it. Thanks for all that you guys do. It's a privilege. Well, folks, that is another edition of Digging In. Make sure uh, you can check out past editions of Digging In at MOFB.org as well as find other ways to follow Missouri Farm Bureau. Thank you and take care until next time. 